All right, ladies and gents, so have uh, a really interesting show for you here today, um, and this is kind of a unique uh, unique bit. Uh, here before, we've been talking with leaders of nonprofit organizations, social entrepreneurial organizations, but I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit here today and talk with an organization that focuses specifically on the financial side of, of nonprofits and a pretty unique and innovative model. That, that's something I try to talk about a lot here is, is how you would fund a particular venture. A lot of folks I chat with have, have a nonprofit model. Some have the for-profit model. Um, and so I'm chatting today with, with Daniel Rubin and, and Gary. Gary, tell me your last name one more time. Sorry. Uh, Pellicer. Okay, cool. Gary Pellicer. Yeah. I forgot to ask you that. Yeah, no. uh, Daniel, Daniel <laughs> and Gary. We won't, we won't mention that again. <laughs> Daniel and Gary of Social Finance. And uh, Social Finance's mission uh, is mobile, mobilizing investment capital to drive social progress. Um, and so just, again, a really interesting philosophy, I think, in terms of, of how to fund social ventures, specifically nonprofit ventures. Um, and so really looking forward, really excited to chat with these guys and just hear some kind of creative and, and new insight, I think, on this side of things. So looking really forward to that. So, OK, Daniel and Gary, I've given uh, the folks listening to me just a little bit of background on you. But why don't you two take it away? And I'll let you guys decide how you want to do the back and forth. Um, but why don't you take to take it away? Um, share with us a little bit about yourselves personally, because we do want to get to know you, and then talk to us, uh, unpack social finance a little bit more than I did in the one sentence I shared with folks. Sure, totally. Yeah. So I came to social finance about nine months ago now through an AmeriCorps program. Uh, last year, I was in India studying Indian foreign policy, so obviously this is something completely different, but I'm really enjoying my time here, and uh, yeah, give it to Gary. Totally. And uh, so I joined social finance um, just a little bit before Dan did. Um, and previously, I was working as an investment banking analyst um, in the public finance group at Morgan Stanley. Um, so one thing that I thought is really great about my work here at social finance is going from a traditional capital market um, to solve public financial issues to now a non-traditional or kind of emerging uh, market for public finance, which we can dive into a little bit more Um Really great, great, yeah, and we definitely will dig into that because I think you guys have some yeah. really amazing stuff going on there. So I want to, I want to hear the nuts and bolts of that because it, it's a really interesting concept to me, and I think to a lot of folks that, that listen to what I'm doing over here. So great, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I always like uh, to get the ball rolling. Uh, we're all about inspiration, and I, I'm kind of a quote fiend. I love quotes, so <laughs> I always <laughs> like starting it out that way. So um, once you guys get the inspirational ball rolling here, just by sharing a, a quote or a mantra that you just love that, that drives your work. Well, I would say uh, a mantra or a quote that frequently comes up around our office is the Benjamin Franklin quote, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that kind of is central to what we do at Social Finance in getting private capital funneled to nonprofit programs that are really focused on preventative interventions. And uh, so you mentioned our, our mission is to drive um, investment capital to kind of propel social change. Um, and the primary way we do that actually is through this new financing mechanism called social impact bonds. And so to Dan's point, the whole idea is to try to get government to finance social um, interventions in a more outcomes driven way so that governments are actually using the tax dollars to pay for only what works as opposed to what might work. Um, so I think that that's really where that Benjamin Franklin quote um, 
rings particularly true. Gotcha. Okay, great. No, love that. I heard a lot from Benjamin Franklin here in the interviews I've done, so <laughs> good to add it to it. Ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. Great stuff. So uh, along the same lines of, of inspiration, what, what would you guys say, and, and, and you can answer this question personally for, for you as individuals, what what mm-hmm. is the inspiration that, that drives your work, that keeps you going every day despite the odds, uh, despite you know the, 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 the daunting challenges we face in the social sector? What, what keeps you going? Well, you know, I mean, it's definitely a daunting challenge that that definitely exists. You know, I mean, working with government, is, as you know, you can guess, it's always difficult to try to create and introduce new systems. Um, but that challenge is also, I think, at least for me, what gets me up and going in the morning out of bed um, is this idea that we're not just working within the old paradigms and the old systems, but that we're really coming up with a new and innovative way um, to hopefully create a better way of administering services. To make a more equitable society. Um, I think I hit all of those kind of questions. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but, but actually, like, I think that's really what gets me excited. Yeah, I guess the two things that I really look forward to when I'm coming to work every day is, one, we're hopefully expanding the pool of money that is available to really high-performing nonprofits by opening it up to the private capital markets. And then also, we're helping government to spend their money more efficiently. So... In a social impact bond, governments only pay if a specific social outcome has been achieved. So they're really uh, purchasing outcomes rather than the provision of services, which I think is a really uh, interesting and novel idea. Perfect. Great. And so why the team at Social Finance? Why, why that group? What, what, makes, what makes this your moment? Um. Do you mean in terms of like maybe our, our culture or offering? Uh, let's let's start with culture. Let's get into and we'll get into offerings in a minute. Let's just talk about culture now. Talk talk to me about the team. Talk to me about the movement. Well, you know, the culture is probably I think the best thing about the job. Yeah. Um, the the people I work with are some of the most intelligent people I've encountered. They're the most creative in their field, and the office is really a confluence of all the stakeholders that we represent on different sides of the transaction. So, you know, a third of our office might be from uh, nonprofit consulting, another third might be from policy and government, and then another third are from capital markets. And so the, the level of rigor and then also just the input into any kind of conversation is just like, for me, so fascinating. Uh, makes the water cooler really, really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Daniel, anything to add there? Not, not much. I mean, that's what I really love about the culture of the office is, in addition to everybody being super smart and nice, uh, there's a really diverse background of experiences, as Gary said, touches on kind of all the stakeholders that we come into contact with on a daily basis. So it makes it a really uh, great place to work, interesting place to work. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of the things I've, I've loved most about talking with organizations like social finance is that, that question's answered in different ways, but in, in, but with kind of a similar thread always is that, you know, a, a group that, that, you know, different backgrounds, but shares a similar passion for change, for innovation, for, for doing something new. And I love the attitudes of places like that. I've, I've been lucky enough to work at a few of them too. So <laughs> they're fun environments, definitely. Well, all right. Well, now is, is definitely time where I want to uh, unpack kind of what's going on at social finance, the unique models that, that you all have. The first thing I want to just start off with and chat about are, are social impact bonds. Now, I've read a little bit about them, but for folks listening that don't know uh, the first thing about that, what's kind of a just quick summary of what that means, what that does, and how it operates? So I would say uh, you have a 
philanthropic organization or a private investor provides upfront capital to a nonprofit service provider. Uh, they provide whatever their service is, and hopefully um, their intervention saves the government money, and out of that savings, the government keeps a portion and then uses a portion to repay the investor plus maybe some small uh, rate of return for their investment. That's kind of the 30-second mm -hmm. overview of social impact bonds. Oh. And so the beauty of it is it, it transfers the risk of the program from, you know, whether it's going to work or not, what we call programmatic risk. It transfers that from the government, who traditionally upfronts all of the capital and hopes that that program um, achieves the results that it intends mm -hmm. to. But it transfers that risk from the government to the investor. Um, so it's the investor's capital risk that um, then it would be compensated if and only if the nonprofit achieves those predetermined outcomes. Okay, okay, perfect. So then in, in investors, are they mainly institutional investors or do you have individual investors that are getting involved? How does that look? That's a great question. Um, so we have investors um, all along the, the spectrum of, I guess, what, how you classify an impact investor. <laughs> so on the far left, you would have maybe philanthropic and be a pure um, philanthropy play. So it would be a foundation, for instance, okay. who would be willing to be involved in the deal because they see a catalytic, a catalytic um, effect from being involved in the deal. And it's, it's, it's similar to them just giving out a grant. Um, all the way to a high net worth individual who might be investing in the deal for a return, like an uncorrelated return. Um, and then so we have players all throughout that spectrum. Okay. And one of the really great and interesting things about social impact bonds is such an early stage of the market that the financial structures of these deals are all quite different and bespoke at this point. So, for example, uh, social finance did a deal in New York State where we kind of placed it through Bank of America's high net worth platform. We had over 40 individual or uh, foundational family foundation investors, whereas the deal that has been done in Massachusetts had... I think six investors, six or seven investors, um, one big financial institution, and then four or five foundations. Oh, okay. So uh, it's a really interesting place to be right now because there's no one correct way to do it. <laughs> right. You, you guys are establishing that way. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, a, there's room for all different kind of structures because it unlocks these different pockets of capital um, that we hope, I mean, that we hope that we can bring to the, the table to financing nonprofits that otherwise would okay. So if, if, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm a high net worth investor and, and yep. I'm coming at you, how do you guys tell, and I, I want to know how you're measuring returns. I want to know what, what kind of returns you, you guys measure. What's your answer to that? So the way the social impact bond is structured is um, you have two kind of evaluative parties that are involved. Okay. Um, one um, is called the evaluator, and they're they're a party to the contract, and they're either hired by the state or the investor, but they're meant to be independent. Okay. But they're meant to be independent, and they help set up the way that the the um, intervention will ultimately be evaluated. Okay. Right. They design the randomized control trial or some sort of quasi-experimental design, um, and so they'll kind of follow the project along the way, making sure that the evaluation is being implemented correctly. And then we have another third party, um, uh, another third party, which is called a validator, who will come in and validate any kind of finding that the, uh, the evaluator comes up with. Um, so this is kind of a way to make sure that there are no conflicts of interest. 
um, in determining ultimately the payment. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So as an, an individual investor, then I could conceivably look at it and say, you know, for example, it's working with social service organizations. I could say this number of people were served, and I also yeah. received um, this kind of financial benefit from a successful venture, essentially. Right, okay. and then that, that financial benefit will be outlined, um, predicated on outcome achievement in a contract. Okay. So before services are even even um, start being rendered, you will understand the payment schedule, um, and that's kind of what you sign on to as part of the terms of the Okay. Contract. Yes. This is, this is a semantic difference that is actually very important to our work. They're going to say it's not only this is how many people were served, but this is how many people achieved a specific outcome. So we are kind of trying to make that shift in terms of government, government financing of programs from people served to people actually achieving some positive social outcome. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, 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 you know, one of the things I love most, like I said, about talking to, to folks really across the world now, I had my first interview in the UK yesterday, so <laughs> that was really fun. Oh, yeah, I went international. Um, but what I love <laughs> when, when I hear themes developing across the way and what I, what I'm hearing a lot, um, you know, in, in, in the for-profit, when I talk to them, they talk about the, the double bottom line, their dual bottom line, sometimes triple bottom line. And then, you know, in, in, in nonprofits, it's just talking about different ways of measuring things. But this idea that that, you know, measuring outcomes beyond the, the financial. Um, certainly you have to do that, but measuring the impacts upon people, I, I think is just, is going to be a major, major thing, both in the nonprofit and the for-profit space coming up. So I, I, I love that you guys are at the cutting edge of that. And I love talking to people that are at the cutting edge of that. Because um, it's really important to be able to know the kinds of impacts we're having on people. And so I love that you guys, you guys roll that in there too. So, so great stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I mean, it is very exciting to be a part of, be the vanguard, hopefully. Of a, a new exactly. Exactly. <laughs> great, great stuff. Well, Daniel, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit with some of the specific programs that you all are involved in. And so I wonder if you two could, could think about some specific, pro I, I believe it was a recidivism, a prison-based program. Yeah. So, so talk about some specific programs that you're involved in and, and tell me the accomplishment that you're most proud of. And just let's keep it specific with an organization that you've worked with. What's, what's an organization that you're just most proud of how you worked with them and connected with them? Well, I, I can go into our, our first deal, which was announced at the very end of 2013. I know we discussed it a little bit before, which was based uh, was with New York State, Bank of America, and Center for Employment Opportunities. And basically, we raised with Bank of America almost $14 million to serve 2,000 formerly incarcerated individuals in New York State so that they stay out of prison so that they get short-term and then hopefully long-term employment. And I think as an organization, that's kind of our biggest deal to date and uh, something that everybody here is immensely proud of because it was the first social impact bond uh, at the state level ever announced in, in the U.S. And, uh, and at that time, it was the largest deal as well. Okay. And for me, I think what I'm most proud of is just Discovering, so I'm not from the nonprofit sector prior to my social finance, and so I'm most proud of proud of um, having the opportunity to meet some really incredible organizations across the country. Um, organizations that not only are have proven impacts, um, but that are just like thinking very creatively about the ways in which we can make our society better, yeah. um, which has been just so cool. So you know, from the south side of Chicago to rural South Carolina, 
Um, we've seen some really interesting and fascinating interventions that we're just really excited to be part of. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love that you mentioned that, Gary, because I I've been in and out of nonprofits a fair bit too, and I, I in my opinion that the the people that have just kind of really gotten into it and gotten there have just such a unique and 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 important perspective and and so much heart and passion and and I love it and so many great stories and great ideas out there. So, props to you for being able to plug right into all those nationwide. Yeah, that's great. It's been a it's been a really wonderful yeah, journey. Yeah, great stuff. Well, so, you know, any, I think, journey, developing an organization, being an innovator, starting a new idea, uh, you know, certainly it's it's marked with those successes, but a lot of times it's kind of an up and down ride and there are disappointments. There are setbacks along the way. So we just talked about some of your some of your favorite successes, your highest points. Let's let's talk about some of the lower points. If you guys can latch on to and let's let's get specific here. What's what's a specific time um, that you were working that you just something really came out of nowhere for you and, and you really saw it as a major setback with what you were doing and how you how you bounce back from it. Well I think you know we get these things almost daily. I don't I don't mean like these big things, but like every opportunity is a learning opportunity for us. Um, and there are obviously successes and wins, but there are also things that we think very critically on how we could have done better. Um, so I think the example that looms heaviest around social finance is just we had a proposal this is actually before my time um that we had anticipated winning um it was one of our first so we didn't have a lot of experience in it um at a time when there weren't very very many of these around uh, oh, right. Right. there's a lot of pressure one, yeah. <laughs> and you know there's not there are a few players in the market. I think we had thought that this might have been our unlock, and uh, you know, the, it didn't break in our favor. Um, but knowing that, I think it at least when that happened, I think it refocused the team's efforts, and it continues to refocus the team's efforts. So that I think has probably been something that's really we use that as an opportunity then and apply it to each opportunity where we can understand how we can maybe do something better and not become complacent. And understand how we really kind of push how we can innovate things. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. So, yeah, Gary actually took the example that I was <laughs> going to use. But they say in a in a more general sense, it's difficult to, on the one hand, be trying to construct these deals on a day to day basis, and on the other hand, be trying to educate everybody you meet about what the social impact bond is. And I think. Yeah. You know, people are, there is more aware, awareness around what it is. There was recently the first uh, federal hearing on social impact bonds, and there are state legislative proposals kind of all around the country. But I think for a majority of social finances existence, people just didn't know what the concept was. So having to educate the public and policymakers and nonprofits about how this could help their achieve their objectives has been an uphill battle, um, but I think one that the space writ large is, is really winning and really uh, we're creating awareness you know, throughout the country and throughout the world. There are social impact bonds or development impact bonds that are being proposed here. Uh, obviously the UK is way ahead. There's been one in India, there are a few in Australia. So it's a, it's a really a spreading concept. And I think domestically, this is a, a, a real inflection point. Yeah. So both of us having joined about nine months ago, I think the tone in the, the market, nascent as it is, is significantly different when you say Dan, yeah. from, you know, back in August. So it's a really cool time. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, just to give you an example, when I joined, there was one social impact bond inked in the U.S. Now, you know, depending on how you measure it, there are four. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a few more by the end of this year. So it's really, it's still early, but it's starting to really pick up pace, which is really exciting to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. No, and I really want to latch on to what you guys said there, because I think we're hitting another <laughs> another theme. And, and this is something I've, I've kind of latched on to. And I've, the best term I've been able to come up with for it is, is you know, when you hit that pinnacle point, when you, you yep. feel that point where you realize that, you know, you really are seeing hearts and minds change. But what you realize is that everything that you did coming up to that led you to that point. And, and that's really the difference with folks I've talked to is they see those events, you know, those, those disappointments, those setbacks as all just steps along the journey that kind of get you to that point. And if you're right at the forefront of something, being at the pinnacle point is really exciting because <laughs> you get to sit there on the other side and be like, yeah, we were telling everybody this for a while. <laughs> we knew this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. Cool, cool, cool. So um, let's talk, you know, working in the uh, social sector uh, as opposed to, you know, Gary, where you were before, what would you say are some unique advantages you have in terms of going out and getting people involved? In terms of, um, Leveraging my previous experience or just comparing your previous experience to this, what unique advantages do you think you have now that you're in the the social sector versus? Yeah. You know, one thing that I found that was most challenging about my transition is um, learning and understanding the different languages of our stakeholders, right? So I come from a place where I felt like I had, you know, just begun to really kind of understand one kind of language and culture. Um, And then now working in a place where there are, I mean, at least three. Um, that's been a challenge. Um, I think that's also something that's what is, that is what's so exciting about the social sector or the third sector, right? This idea that you touch, you know, three, at least three different stakeholders potentially and learning how to communicate maybe the same thing in three different ways is a huge challenge, but I also think it's a huge, um, and really great growing opportunity. Perfect. That's terrific. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily bring all these skills to the table, but social finance definitely brings uh, specifically governmental and financial or consulting experience that perhaps nonprofits don't have or haven't thought about Mm -hmm. before. I think a lot of nonprofits we talk to, not all of them, but a lot of them are really good at providing whatever service they provide. And not only are they good at it, but that's what they're passionate about. And they may not think about evaluation or financing uh, in the same way that we do. So I think social finance, kind of when we have those first conversations, really kind of clues them in, into kind of new financing mechanisms, how government will, will want to think about measuring outcomes. And I think it brings something to the table that perhaps a lot of them haven't experienced before. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And what kind of unique challenges would you say you all face working in the social sector? I mean, I'd go back to my, my previous answer. I mean, I think that's something. I think we've been in negotiations and conversations with or among stakeholders, and it's interesting how often actually it seems like all three might be talking about the same thing, um, but disagree. Okay, right. Um, and <laughs> I think a, a, the role we play and the value we add is being like, hey guys, wait, actually, you're all you're all on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's probably the the biggest challenge. Yeah, I mean, this isn't you know, unique to the social sector, but I think in the space that we're working in, uh, we're just trying to get each of the stakeholders to do something that they haven't previously done before. Right. And that's 
difficult. For a nonprofit provider, it might be rigorously measuring outcomes. For a government, it might be, you know, this kind of novel contracting mechanism with the private sector paying up front and contracting with a social service provider to provide outcomes. And for private investors, it's rather than just giving their money to a charitable organization whose mission they might like, it's really kind of looking at evidence and rigor and seeing if that organization is able to rigorously produce specific outcomes. So I think trying to get all those people, those entities to do something that they haven't done before is sometimes difficult, but I ultimately rewarding both for us from a professional and personal standpoint, but also I think good for those sectors writ large. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. If we're going to be innovators, we can't stray away from challenges. That's for sure. <laughs> we're going to run into them. Got to change the languages, change the thinking. Well, yeah, great stuff. So, okay. Last, last question in this section before we get to my favorite part. Um, so in one quick sentence, what leads to a successful social venture? You know, that's what I go I for. If I can pull that off twice, maybe three times in an interview, I've succeeded, I think. I think, you know, just a continued focus on who your client is. Mm -hmm. And by that, I think one thing that we constantly try to focus on doing at social finance is not necessarily thinking of our client as the government or investors or nonprofits, although they certainly are within that you know universe. Um, but ultimately, the people that are getting these services are the clients, right? So we're not working. Um, I mean, we're working for a lot of these parties, but ultimately, what we get up every morning and go to work to go do is to help needy first-time mothers, for instance, or at-risk youth in the south side of, south side of Chicago, or um, recently released prisoners in New York City um, and giving them a second chance. Those are our clients. And I think continuously, passionately, and relentlessly focusing on them is probably what any um, social service should be doing, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this is pretty similar, but just getting into the mindset and understanding the needs of our stakeholders is extremely important mm -hmm. and something that we need to do in order to serve those who are the ultimate clients of these projects, the, the people like Gary was yeah. just mentioning. We're just a means to an end, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Remember who you're serving. Yeah, yeah, love that, love that. Well, great stuff. Well, well Daniel and Gary, you've, you've given us tons of great insight there in that section. I, you know, I love the idea of this, this pinnacle point being an innovator and, and hearing those hearts and minds, seeing those hearts and minds being changed along the way. I, I love kind of the non-traditional approach and you've given us some really interesting insight into, into some very innovative ways um, of kind of shaking things up in terms of the way we finance nonprofits and that kind of thing and, and get people involved, by the way, and, and, and social services and investing in that area. So love that stuff. So thanks for that. Um, We'll yeah. all be uh, chewing on that for a while, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, okay, so uh, we're going to move into the second part. Quick, quick ending to our interview here. This is my favorite part. I call it the Blitz, okay. um, where I'm just going to throw some rapid fire, one off questions at you guys. Want to hear your insights? Um, you can bounce it off okay. whoever wants to take it. Um, but uh, I love this part because I just get to hear kind of, you know, real quick thinking on, on, on your guys' side. So, you all ready for this? Uh, all right, all right let's do it. So, <laughs> who's your hero? Uh, I actually defaulted Jacqueline Novogratz. Jacqueline Novogratz? Oh, okay, yeah, a vacuum fund. Yeah. Perfect. Daniel? Um, 
Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So favorite tool y'all are using right now to help your organization grow? Could be some kind of online tool or written tool, anything like that. Can I default to Excel? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But why, why is that? I just use Excel all okay. the time, just because I've been doing a lot of modeling. Right, right, gotcha. <laughs> it's a new bringing that modeling experience, I think, is uh, really yeah. helpful. So that's probably what I would say as well. Gary's much better at it than I am, but it is it is pretty essential to our work. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. No, I, I love that, because yeah, I use Excel all the time, too, and it, it's always been funny to me. I mean, they've tried to create all different kinds of things, different databasing software, all different. Yeah. At the end of the day, Excel. That's what most of us turn to. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Those two staples will just never go away, <laughs> no matter how fast technology moves forward. Cool. Best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, so I recently received a piece of advice that I've been trying to remind myself every day when I wake up is that think of everyone you meet on this earth as being put there um, to teach you something which is like a really humbling way, I think, of approaching most interactions, which I try to use a lot. Everyone a teacher. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Dan? I think I might be failing the uh, blitz section. <laughs> <laughs> There's not one piece of specific advice that's coming to mind right away, so maybe I'll get back to you on that Okay. One. Sounds good. Well, we got about two minutes yet, so <laughs> not to all put right. you in the hot seat. <laughs> all right. All right. So comfort food you turn the comfort food you turn to uh that makes everything seem all right when the world's problems are just getting you down lasagna mine's pasta and ketchup. No, pa pasta and ketchup yeah. Yeah, okay good. how did how did this start <laughs> oh, okay Ch childhood thing yeah 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 well folks listen to me they know mine is ben and jerry's fish food ice cream love the stuff love the stuff so yeah well, cool. All right. First thing everyone can do to start changing the world. Come work at social finance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say be bold, but uh, they, they, we're bold here. Yeah, too. Be they, bold. They oh, yeah come work at social finance. There we go. <laughs> well, and on that note, I actually wanted to let you guys close it out uh, with any last thoughts that you might have and also letting people know how to find you. So, you know, if they do, Answer your call, Daniel. Let them know where they can find you and track you guys down. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I mean, we're just really excited to be a part of this um, and getting the word out about not only the work that we're doing, but then also the very cool work that all of our stakeholders and what's going on in the social sector. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's been very interesting and wonderful to work on social impact bonds throughout this year. Yeah. And I think the impact investing space writ large is, is really making growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, when I say I'm working in social impact bonds, people frequently say, oh, so is that like microfinance? Uh, but impact investing is really expanding beyond that in all sorts of innovative uh, ways. So I'm really enjoying that and uh, hope more people get involved and learn about the space. And if you want to reach us, uh, come to our website, socialfinanceus.org, and you'll be able to find us there. Yeah, feel free to drop a line. Sounds perfect. And, and guys, I will make sure and throw everything we've talked about in the notes uh, for this so folks can look up if they want to find the Acumen Fund, research anything on that, anything we've talked about. I try to put in notes. I'll make sure to put your website in the notes, too, so they can track it down. Awesome. But yeah. Daniel. I can, I can send a quick recipe. What's that? <laughs> 
I can oh, for, <laughs> for ketchup and pasta. Sounds sounds good. Tell you what, let me know. Let me know how many requests you see from that. I'm I'm curious. To <laughs> hey, Daniel, Gary, thank you all very much. You guys have been really generous with your time here, your insight. This is great information. Um, we love learning this. So, we all appreciate your work, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. All right.